bring this up just a little bit. There we go. Well, here we are, beloveds. We have made it through yet another year. I know we're like a month into 2020 already, um, but I think it's really important to reflect that we might be a month into a new year, into a new decade, but we have just exited another decade and ended another year. If you think back just a few weeks ago, you will remember that we made it through the holidays and New Year's Eve and their lighthearted revelries with all their accustomed trimmings, decorations of garland and tinsel, ancient revelations and new understandings, not required yet highly suggested staff parties and gift exchanges, sing-alongs and caroling, family gatherings and banquets, and of course, last-minute shopping and present wrapping. Y'all remember that, right? right? You're still a little sleepy from it, huh? Now that our loved ones have returned home, the decorations hung by the chimney with care have been put away, and the tree has been dismantled. Now that the dining room table can return to its actual purpose of retaining junk mail and the other tidbits <laughs> that we throw upon it and we just promise ourselves we'll put away at a later date. Now that our day-to-day -day schedules have settled and have returned to their normal predictability. Now that we are freed up and are no longer tasked with serving as Santa's helps on the front, home front, and as our sermonic title this morning wonders, what are the elves to do now? We find the answer to this question in our reading this morning as it reads in part, so then, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from hers. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. As one of the more subtler themes which run throughout the Hebrew Bible and Newer Testament, rest as a spiritual practice is either mentioned directly or implied upwards of 60 times throughout the entire text. We first encounter rest as neither a commandment or suggestion in the second chapter of Genesis, as it tells of the Creator, after finishing their work of forming creation, blessing the seventh day as to marvel at that which had been formed. In Exodus, the writings which detail the Israelites escaping Egypt for, for the land of milk and honey, Rest is imparted as a necessity in the midst of busy days of plowing fields and supporting hearth and home. Attested to within the Gospels, Jesus is spoken of either living into this ancestral wisdom of knowing the importance of taking a moment to be at ease or being interrupted in the moments of his resting by his rather anxious and oftentimes short-sighted disciples. And in the context of our passage from the sermon to the Hebrews, when disentangled from its historic baggage, rest is once more displayed as a crucial spiritual principle and practice. Here we are reminded that rest, Sabbath rest, that of being at ease from the headlong tumble into the next moment is both imperative and essential to our overall 
well-being. Yet all too often in our lives, and throughout the lives of many of our recent ancestors, rest has been regulated to the bottom of our to-do list in favor of a variety of other activities. Not too long ago, labor was confined to the hours when the sun provided the needed illumination which to conduct the necessary work of living. While candle and firelight provided some alleviation to the growing darkness, light, the sunlight, firelight was ultimately essential. Work then was regulated and regimented for the most part to the time which is now understood by and large to be the work week. However, with the invention of artificial light, those almost natural cycles of rest gave way to the plethora of light sources that we regularly engage with today. Ranging from the LED lamps that hang above our working spaces to the gleam shown from our smartphones as we endlessly scroll through Facebook, Instagram, and Tinder while lying in our beds as we get ready to fall asleep. I know I did that last night myself. <laughs> it is, however, neither the impact of artificial light or the rapid development of modern handheld technology that prevents us from slowing down and resting. In truth, the reason many of us, myself included, struggle with the very notion of rest is due to the personal and cultural connotations that we all have inherited which say that rest is both wasteful and unnecessary. Thinking back over the values imparted to me as a child regarding rest, I can recall the number of times I heard beloved elders of mine repeat the second most well-known adage of the South. Second to that, you know, well, bless their heart. <laughs> this second adage is, Idle hands do the devil's busy work. Meaning, to be doing anything other than something is to be giving yourself over to the possibly adversarial forces of uselessness and laziness. Just the other day, when I spoke with my grandmother, Mama Bean, upon me telling her that I was resting on the couch, she quickly responded, Well, Tyler... Is there neither a dish nor a shelf that could be cleaned right now? <laughs> Maybe you have been imparted similar values regarding rest as well. Upon further investigation into why we are individually and culturally disinterested and in many ways utterly unwilling to rest, is due to how we have come to understand our own worth as being a byproduct of what we do and what we can produce in any moment. Of course, there is the all too real and pressing reality that we are tasked with providing for our families and ourselves, supplying the basic necessities of food, clothing, and shelter. But there's a clear distinction here of doing for the sake of surviving and doing for the sake of hiding, hiding from personal and societal judgment, which all but damns us for what we have done or have left undone. 
This drive to always be on the go is ever more encouraged and applauded and admired in our nation's insatiable thirst for immediacy due to capitalism and its supreme ability to thingify and quantify every dang thing. Maybe you have felt this in your life once before. How then? How then, when so many of us have been taught and have ultimately internalized this harmful practice of rejecting rest, how then, how might we learn about and find another way towards wholeness and well-being? Throughout this month, I have been exploring the theme of resistance as a lived practice defined as the refusal to accept or comply with something. Resistance is best understood, I think, as a practice lived out in both specific and over the course of time, both specific moments and over the course of time. Resistance is a practice that we engage in order to cultivate something more precious, something more holy, something more free within our world and within our lives. One beautifully stunning example of resistance and rest commingling can be found in that of the Atlanta-based NAP Ministry. Founded by Trisha Hersey, a performance artist and Candler School of Theology at Emory graduate, the NAP Ministry's aim is, the, is to create the artistic historic and spiritual examination of the liberating power of naps. It, is, it reimagines why rest is a form of resistance and shines a light on the issue of sleep deprivation as a justice issue. Rooted in the prophetic brilliance of the black feminist and lesbian writer Audre Lorde, as she teaches us about the political nature of self-care, Hershey and the Knapp Ministry take seriously the historical means by which our culture has encouraged us, especially those of us who are of African descent, to remain in the grind and to believe the lie that we should always be doing something, that we should always be doing more. Through pop-up events, conversations, and workshops, Trisha creates gorgeously textured spaces for members in and around her communities to engage this collective resistance, this collective practice of resting. In an interview with Medium's Elemental, Hershey shares that it is not just about taking naps. It is about trying to dismantle and disrupt a toxic system that says we are not enough. It is about trying to disrupt and dismantle a toxic systems that say we always have to be doing something. She goes on later in the interview to share that rest isn't something we need to earn. When we want to lay down and take a nap, she says it is a calling. We should listen to our divine bodies and wash away that concept that we should feel guilty and feel shame around the need to rest. She goes on to saying that pressure is both toxic and not true. This speaks so clearly of the feelings that so many of us have when we desire and honestly need to take a moment or several moments to rest, 
to be still, to let those feelings which we have spent so much of our times running from wash over us and wash away. So in true UU fashion, I could quote articles and research and rattle off the names of all the people who say that rest is important and how rest is like a sin. Uh, Thoreau and Emerson were two of those big people, not surprising. Um, But I thought, because this is church, because this is a space where we actually put our practices and values into practice in hopes that we will take them into the world, I thought I would just invite you all this morning into a space of rest. And so, let's do that. So if you will, uncross your legs and place them softly on the earth below you. If you have that order of service or that hymnal in your hand, I'm going to invite you to set it down. It is okay. It is safe here right now. And if you are willing, close your eyes and settle into this space to breathe. Gift yourself the ability to be here right now and just breathe. As you continue to rest, with your eyes closed and a heart open, I read to you the words of the Knapp Manifesto, words spoken at every Knapp ministry gathering. The doors of the Knapp temple are open. Won't you come in? This is an invitation for weary souls to rest. This, this here is resistance. This here is a protest. This is a counter narrative to the lie that we are all not doing enough because we are already enough. The doors of the Nat Temple are open. Won't you come in? This is a counter-narrative to the lie that our worth is tied to the grind. You are enough simply by being alive. Thank you. Thank you for living. Thank you for resisting. 
Thank you for creating. Thank you for loving. The doors of the Nat Temple are open. Won't you come in? Whenever you are ready, I invite you to slowly wiggle your hands and your feet. Open your eyes and return to this visual, tangible space. Part of the task of any minister or preacher is to remind the gathered community of the good news that is to be had. And so I want to remind you of the good news that we have a choice in this headlong tumble of a society that we live in. We have a choice in this culture which says that we are not enough if we aren't doing something. There's good news to be reminded that, in fact, you are enough simply because you are alive. There is good news in knowing that you are loved and you were born from a place of love and to that place of love you will return. Rest is a choice that we have control over in our lives. Because in reality, it is okay to rest now before we must be required to rest. Because Sometimes, resting can be forced upon us through sickness and in sorrow and sadness. Nap for your health. Nap for your well-being. Here in this, we are reminded about the Sabbath rest, the rest that brings us back into ourselves and reminds us of our own holiness. Rest my friends, is a spiritual practice that transforms us for the doing and the long haul. Rest reminds us again that we are loved right through. Amen and Ashe. Amen.